Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Okay, so you guys are my family, and I have an update. This is my author page. This is a Facebook business page. Thank you. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I am Charlene DeCorey, known as Char, and I have written a book called Connect, and I have a, uh, an author Facebook page, a business page, but really what happened was I was basically involuntarily catapulted into the world of social media. I was not into it. I didn't have any of it until I finished my book and I found out that I really had no choice. I had to do this. I have to do this. I don't. Uh, I didn't uh, plan to be have my face uh, in the middle of everybody's phone. That wasn't the plan when I was writing the book. And God knew that. And you know what He did? He didn't tell me. He didn't tell me this part yet until I got done with it because He knew that my heart was so passionate for what I was putting in the book, and I wanted the message of Connect to be out so passionately that I would finish the book. If I had known what was going to happen, I probably would have been like Lori on Shark Tank, and I would have said, and for this reason, I'm out. (laughs) So he didn't tell me until after it was all done, and I was really excited about it, and I really want the whole world to hear the message of Connect. But he said, okay, now here's what you need to do. You need to get on social media. So um, I have been advised by my board of directors. I'm just kidding. Uh, that the best thing for me to do is to ask you to like that. So would you please like my page? Um, And what I'd like to do is ask all of the techie people, the young people, all you young people, and otherwise techie people to remember something. I want you to remember every meal that I ever cooked for you downstairs (laughs) and how fantastic it was and like my Facebook page. Okay. If it helps me, you guys know how to do it, right? Post, share, chop, squat, chit, chat, whatever. Do it. Like and share. Like and share, Ralph said. Ralph said like and share. Get that on the mic. Goes up another level. Okay, that's what helps. Okay. All right, are we good? So, with that taken care of, I'm going to share, I'm going to pull a few thoughts from Connect, um, and I'm going to put these together with some things under the umbrella of love trumps everything. I have a visual for that. And we heard during the presidential, um, what is that word, campaigning, election season, that not even Trump can trump Trump. (laughs) But love trumps everything. And I'll tell you why. Because 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God is love. Now, this is one of those scriptures that we got to be careful because we're in danger of thinking, I already know that. I already know that God is love. But do we understand the manifest power, the power of the manifest presence of God's love on the earth? And it's in us. Do, are we understanding that? So everybody say, God is love. God is love. Now everybody say, God is love. Good. Now everybody say, God is love. Third one, God is love. 
See how much more we get from that when we do that? Okay, so God and love are synonymous, right? Is, is equal to God is love. So let's take a look at John 3.16. We all know it by heart. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. Let me know. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse translated into this. Love so loved that he sent love to us so that if we believe in love, instead of going this way to death, we're going to go this way to life. And when the woman was caught in adultery, love... Jesus, love, said exactly 15 words. I counted them. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And the whole place cleared out. So in that place, there was an atmosphere, and it was going this way. And then love spoke, and the atmosphere went this way. The woman at the well, her life was going this way. It took her a little while to process. She had to think about what was going on. Her life was going this way. And then she had a conversation with with love. And then her life went this way. Right? Right? Saul was on a road. Now this one is really literal. Saul was on the road and he was going this way on the road. And what happened? We know that story, love spoke audibly from heaven and Saul was literally floored. He stopped going this way, he went this way and this is how we got most of the letters in the New Testament. So love changes things. So if we're in church, we're living our life, I love what Ann shared, and we're talking about God, we better be talking about love because they're synonymous. Where are we going if we're all about God and we're not all about love? That reminds me of one time when Denny Kramer was here. I'm sure that most of us here, a lot of us here know who Denny is. Great guy, prophet, prophetic, ministry. He was over here, and he was going to be ministering in prophetic, um, prophetic ministry, and it was getting close to the time when he would take the mic and get started, and I can't remember exactly what happened if the person up front said um, something to the effect that um, God is here, God has shown up, the presence of God is here, and Mark and I were standing over here with Denny, and Denny turned to us and said with his usual sense of humor, I hope so, because otherwise it's going to be a short service. Because he can't do that without God. We can't do that without love. Guys, we can't do this. We can't do this without love. So back in the old days, I think it was about the year 15 or so BT. Got it? 15 years before technology. There was no internet, there was no cell phones, there was no electronic devices. We had a wall on the phone. We had a wall on the phone. 
We had a phone on the wall and we had a car. And Mark and I were dating and we went to Hamlin. It's what we did. We brought our mitts and we brought a softball. We played catch. We walked on the beach and we played euchre for hours and hours and hours. We played euchre. That's what we did in our dating years, months. So we have some euchre players? Yeah. You guys know how to play euchre? Okay, so each hand, one suit, is trump. That means it has more power. So an eight, that is trump, has more power than a king that's not. So the eight can take the king. You can throw that eight that's trump on the king, and you can take the trick. Right? So that's what the Bible tells us about love. It's, it's higher. It's more powerful. You can't get any higher than that. You can't get any higher than that. Love trumps everything. Love, it changes people, right? We take that trick. We, take, we put that eight on, we take the king. I thought there was. Nine? Okay, nine. You know I was going to ask about that. I found, thank you so much for keeping me in line, guys. No eight. Okay, take that off the tape. There's not an eight. There's a nine. Okay. So we put that nine down. It, cha- it, takes a- it changes the outcome. Love changes people. Love changes outcomes. Love changes the world. It takes the trick. It takes the day. It changes. Matthew twenty-two thirty-three. And when the multitudes had heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? I don't know what these guys were smoking, but they tried to trick him. They tried to trick Jesus. So just in case anybody's going to try to trick Jesus, it's not going to happen. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It doesn't get any higher than that. Everything else hangs on that. Everything else is underneath that. Everything. Everything is underneath that love is the highest. And while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, as long as I've got all you smart alecks in one place, he said, I have a question for you. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And then he said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And it says, and no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. (laughs) Right? So there was some kind of atmosphere going on. There was noise happening. There was stuff happening, but it wasn't love. So love answers a question, and then he asks another question, and after that, nobody can talk. Right? 
after that, it's like Ben shared a couple weeks ago. I think it was July 23rd. It was amazing. Ben's message, I recommend it if you haven't listened to it. If you have listened to it again, it's awesome. That we carry, the love that we carry is so powerful. Ben said we could be standing anywhere and people could go, whoa, what just happened? What did I feel? What, what was that? What happened? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. God is love. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So God is the Holy Spirit. The Father is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. And God is love. They're all, they're all love. The Holy Spirit is in us. That same love is in us that made, that, that, that floored the place, cleared out the place with the woman caught in adultery, rendered these people speechless when the atmosphere was going one way, and then love himself spoke. The atmosphere changed and went the other way. We carry that power in us. That people would be changed. That situations would be changed. I'm loved. I feel love. I don't know what's going on, but I feel something different. I have come into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Love is here. And I feel different. I'm not rejected. That may be for the first time in someone's life they might feel that. I'm right. not rejected. I'm not judged. I'm not being judged. Right. The weight of walking through life feeling like you're always being judged. Right. Feeling like you're always being rejected. Good. You mean there's life outside of that? Yes. There's life outside of that. And we carry the power to sow that into the atmosphere that people and situations and outcomes change. Ben also talked about filters. He talked about filters and labels and boxes that we put people in. And when we see people through those lenses, we justify judging them instead of loving them. If we hold back then we're not loving because love is active. It's not passive, right? So to love, like Jesus, when, when, when he, there was something was involved there. He, 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 he was, he stood, he was, he spoke. Something took place. So if we choose to judge and not love, we're not taking that action. It's not passive, it's active. So in part two of Connect, part two is connect to each other. In chapter seven, I have a chapter, uh, chapter seven is called Culture of Honor. And I talk about loving and judging running in opposite directions. Love or judge. And I refer to an excerpt from Leif Hetland's book, Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes. And he says this, this is Leif Hetland speaking. The consensus of the New Testament is that if we judge, we don't love. And if we love, we don't judge. So it's one or the other. It's one or the other. There is not a common ground there where we can um, water it down and say, well, it's okay. I mean, what I said is kind of true. No, 
we either love or we judge. And Leaf explains that in, in the garden, in the prohibiting of the eating of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God was protecting Adam and Eve from ever knowing that anything could be judged. Now, we've got to think about that for a second because of where we live and how we're wired. We've got to think about that for a second. God was protecting Adam and Eve from ever knowing that anything could be judged. How many negative things happen because we judge each other? Right? So God's plan was, it's all good. You know, now we have that little buzz phrase, it's all good. There's more to that than we realize, I think. Because that was the very heart of God in the yes. beginning. It's right. all good. It's all good. If everything is good, if everything is good, then what can be judged? And by what standards? Right? right? There was no understanding that one thing could be compared to another. That did not exist. Everything was good. How can you compare if everything's the best? Everything's the best of the best. Everything's the top of the top. So there isn't anything inferior. There isn't anything lower. That's how God planned it for us out of love. So think about our human interactions now. Who is smarter? Who's more successful? Who's more attractive? Better? Blah, blah, blah. On and on and on. That subjectivity, that concept, that subjectivity did not enter humanity until after they ate the fruit. Before they ate the fruit, everything was good, and they were like, this is wonderful. Isn't this, and here they were, isn't this wonderful, my gosh. And then after they ate the fruit, they were like, your leaf is better. Give me that leaf. They didn't know that before. They, their eyes were instantly opened. Now we can compare. Before, they were both perfect, the leaves, for example. They ate the fruit, and then they knew. It's mind-boggling because for us, it's all we've ever known. That that's where we live. It's, it boggles our mind to even think of that, but God never intended any of that to be part of our lives. It's all good. You have a small tree. You have a little bit. Yay! You have a big tree. You have a lot. Yay! That's what God created for us out of love. You've got to wrap your brain around that. It takes, it takes a little bit to wrap your brain around that. It's the same idea as Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I think it was Will, and I was unable to verify this, I think in Will's message, he said, Jesus' death reestablished that place of all things. It's the same exact idea. Jesus' death reestablished that place of all good for us, reestablished that place of all things, and we have confirmation of it in Romans 8.32 that he freely gives us all things. So Jesus' death gave us back that state that everything was good that was lost in the garden. Right? So now we live here and there's a lot going on. 
And God freely gives us all things. So what does that look like here? What does that look like now? I'm going to read a thought that I have on that, Romans 8.32 from Connect. We could at this point respond in our hearts by stating that we don't actually have all things. I personally can list many things that I don't have. So our only conclusion becomes that the all things that God is referring to are so much more valuable than the things we are lacking that they haven't even made it on the radar. The all things on God's radar are immeasurable. If we can measure or assign a monetary or material value, then we add subjectivity. And then when is enough enough? God gives us all these things so that if we have nothing, we still have everything. And if we never accomplish anything measurable by human standards, we have accomplished everything. So why did God create it that way in the garden? Because the negative stuff that comes out of judging wears us down instead of building us up. He never intended that for us. He never wanted us to be beaten down and worn out by negatives and hoops to jump through. He created it all good. And finally, Leif says this, God wanted them to be fully, joyfully, and eternally human, which meant that they were to get life from loving and not judging. Get life, give life from loving and not judging because they run in opposite directions. We can't do both. When we judge, when we judge, we position ourselves in a receiving position. It's a receiving direction. I'm so smart. I can decide this. I can decide I'm better than you or higher than you. So we're receiving our own accolades and we're feeding our pride monster. That's, that's essentially what we're doing when we judge. When we love, we do the opposite. How can I bless you? How can I build you up? We're, we're positioning ourselves in a giving direction when we, live, when, when we love. The focus is not on ourselves. You can't do it. Think about it. Your, your focus is not on yourself when you're loving. When you're filled with love for someone and you're acting out of that love, your focus is not on yourself. The wind does not blow east and west at the same time. We can't judge and love at the same time. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 13, but first we're going to look at chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, quickly. So Paul's speaking, and of course, Paul is the real deal. Paul is like the way cool dude. He's awesome, passionate father, apostle, amazing, eloquent Paul. Amazing, cool dude, incredible. At the beginning of chapter 12, He's about to tell them a whole bunch of stuff. And he says, okay, guys, listen, this is important. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you guys to not understand this. I really love you, and I really care about you, and I want you to understand. In verse 2, he says, which is so cool, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to all these dumb idols? however you were led. So Paul is absolutely passionate. He's, 
he's full of wisdom and insight. And then sometimes he cuts right to the chase. Forget about those dumb idols. This is what really matters. Jesus is Lord of all, and that makes us a family. This is what really matters. We're a team, and I want you to listen, and I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Recently, I was talking to a friend about the Air Force. Her son had just joined the Air Force. And we might think that military basic training is harsh, but what they do is they bring everyone to the same level. You bring nothing in, and you have no choice but to become part, equal part of the team, or you may not survive. So this is what they do intentionally, is that they bring everyone to the same level. You're, you're a part, you're a member, you're a soldier, you're a number. And I think Paul is doing something similar in 1 Corinthians 12, 3. He says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you don't believe, then you're not in. You're not on the team. No one speaking by the Spirit calls Jesus accursed. If you don't believe, you're not in. You're not part of the family. You're not part of the team. If you do believe, then you are in, and that's the only way in. So remember when you think you're a hotshot, that we all got here the same way, and we're all on the same team, right? So if one military recruit, let's say, for example, comes from a very wealthy family where mom and dad bought everything, and he left his cars and his, all his stuff that mom and dad bought him, and he went to the military, and the guy next to him was raised by a single mom who could barely feed him, and they find themselves in enemy territory, and the rich kid is in danger, his parents' money are not going to help him. Right? right? He might need the kid with nothing to save him. That's why that, that time, that training, that basic training, that time of becoming family, that time of becoming all the same. We all got here the same way. Jesus is Lord and we're all a family is so important. Good. When they're out there, nothing is going to help you except that you know who you are, how you got here, and that you're part of the team. And that that team is much bigger than yourself. Amen. So Paul establishes this. I, I believe he establishes this in 12.1. And then he goes on in chapter 12 to explain that we all bring something different and each part is needed. So now that we have it established that we're all on the same team, we have it established that none of us is a hot shot. Now we can talk about all the cool stuff because now we've stripped away the temptation to think that we're hotshots. Verse 4, there's diversities of gifts but the same spirit. Verse 5, there's differences of ministry but the same Lord. Verse 6, there are diversities of activities but the same God who works all in all. And 7, the manifestation of spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So don't get all puffed up, Sparky. Everything is important. Now, after that, after he says all that, then he moves to chapter 13 to talk about love. So when you do all this great stuff, keep a proper perspective, and now we're going to talk about love. So what do we think of 1 Corinthians 13 as? And where do we hear it? Wedding. 
weddings, and it's beautiful for that. But I think it's a lot more than that. And I think sometimes it actually gets robbed. The power of 1 Corinthians 13 is robbed. That's why I stepped back and started at 12, because we really need to understand what's going on here. As beautiful as 13 is, if you pull it out, let's take a look at Paul's heart. Let's take a look at Paul. Listen what he has to impart to us. So it's so important that we're, we're understanding that and we're working together when we read 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 1 through 8, through the beginning of 8. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not speak its, does not speak its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I'm going to get back to that. First, I want to just a couple thoughts on this passage as in the wedding box, being reduced to the wedding box. I think it's robbed, and I think it's misinterpreted. I think most of us go to a wedding, and we hear that, and we think, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. Right? This is all the stuff I'm not measuring up to. I'm never going to get married. What if I snap at my spouse? That's a lot of hoops to jump through. I better clean up my act if I'm thinking about getting married. And married people say, I'm not measuring up. I haven't done this, I haven't done that. Oh my gosh. That's not what it is. God does not speak to us that that way. He has not set up hoops for us to jump through. It's not about measuring up to impossible standards. It's about how beautiful love is. It's about how beautiful love is. Paul has had a revelation of how beautiful, powerful love is. God is love. How beautiful love is, how beautiful God is. 1 Corinthians 13, I believe, was, was written by God's heart to draw us to that place of that beautiful love of God, the beautiful love that God is. And Paul says, I. He doesn't say you. He says, I. If I can accomplish everything, but if I don't have love, or we could say if I don't have God, then I'm nothing. And because he uses I, as we read it, I believe we're witnessing him literally receiving that revelation. He's like, follow, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm getting this revelation. I want you to have this revelation. So I feel like we're watching him get the revelation of how powerful God's love is. And he wanted the Corinthians to experience 
And he wanted us to experience that God is not shaking his finger and telling us how to clean up our acts. It's Paul having a revelation of how powerful love is that never fails. It's the only force that changes everything. And without it, nothing that we think matters. He could have gone on for days with that list. We, can, we could all add something to that list that he wrote. That could, this is a un, virtually unlimited list of all the things that we think matter that don't matter without love. So we could just say everything that we think matters doesn't matter without love. Without it, nothing we think matters matters. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. So if you want to succeed at anything, if you want a plan that works, if you, wanna, if you want to uh, accomplish, do you want something that works sometimes or do you want something that changes everything? This morning, most of you could not see this. Ralph was standing here and our dear little Jeff we have special people for those listening. By the way, did you guys know that several people, a growing number of people, listen to our messages from all over the world? So we love you guys who are listening. And we have here at New Hope Community Church in North Chile a special little group of special people that come, and they're absolutely adorable, and we love them. And one of our little favorites is Jeff, and he's a little guy. And so Jeff was standing up front this morning with Pastor Ralph, who's a big guy. And the, the woman who was taking care of Jeff came up, and she tapped him, and she said, uh, come on, I need you to come back, or whatever. She was trying to get him back under her care. And he pointed, he said no. He shook his head, and he pointed to Ralph. <laughs> I'm with the big guy right? He's got it. Jeff's got it. He's no fool. I'm with the big guy. I'm going, I'm going for the big, I'm going, I'm going for the guaranteed. I'm, I'm sticking with Ralph. I'm sticking with the big guy. I'm no fool. So what do we want to do, guys, if we want to succeed? What do, we, what do we want? What never fails? How do we succeed in anything? How do we do anything? How do we change the world? It never fails. Love never fails. Jeff's got it. Another theme that I have woven throughout Connect is this idea of being right. What I mean by that is winning an argument or being right is overrated and even non-existent. <laughs> I submit to you today that it's non-existent, yes. meaning that being right from a kingdom-minded perspective means absolutely nothing. We just read Romans 8.32, that God freely gives us all things, so what could we possibly accomplish or obtain by being right? There are no extra points in heaven for winning the most arguments. If you're saved, you're right. And there's grace for everything else. But the whole world is in an uproar, it seems. Everywhere we look, there's arguments going on. People are taking sides. There's division. There's drama. Why? What's going on? What the heck is at the root of all that? The need to be right. Think about it. How can you, well, break it down. What is at the root of all that? The driving need inside of humans to be right. 
It's a dumb idol, like Paul said. The need to be right is a dumb idol. And Paul said, guys, we need to grow up. We have a responsibility to the team. Another quote that I have from Ben's message, are we willing to lay down being right to love people? And are we willing to let God heal us of the insecurities that drive us to want to be right? So how do we respond to division and turmoil, sometimes even violence? On Facebook, someone said we were recently having a civil war. We're having another civil war over the first civil war. Really? How do we respond? The same way Jesus did. So can I have my yard sign visual, please, Dan? So for those listening, I've just put up a visual that says, it's a huge yard sign, and it says, turn off the news and love your neighbor. (laughs) So how do we respond with all this stuff that's going on constantly around us? Just like Jesus did, love trumps everything. When they asked him, they asked him, what did he do? He stood there, being love, and he said, love. He sowed love into the atmosphere. And we can sow love into the atmosphere too. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to do the same exact thing that Jesus did and clear the place. Take down all the pride monsters. Take down all the needs to be right. All the, those, the gaping wound, the need to be right, to win an argument. Level them, floor them right to the ground. Come on the scene with love that is more powerful than anything. It's more powerful than anything. Those arguments all happen because everyone's ju- because people are judging each other. Because everyone's judging everyone else. The judging robs and loving gives. Judging is all about me. Loving is all about you. And at the end of the day, being right means nothing. But loving others means everything. Because love never fails. And just like Jeff knew, that's a lot of power. That's the Batmobile. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to Will's message again. That was incredible. That's the Batmobile. Do we want the, 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 the top of the top, the best of the best, the power of all power? behind us, or do we want plan B? So I actually had, this was posted last week on Facebook, reposted by a friend, and this is what she wrote. I'm going to read it. It's good. After six months of organization and promotion, the largest white supremacist gathering in decades drew only a few hundred people from around the country on Saturday. Several hundred. On Sunday, 52 million Americans went to church where everyone is welcome and we all drink from the same cup. 62 million Americans volunteer in any given year and 83% of American adults give to charity. 145 million Americans went to work today where people of every every race, gender, ethnicity, religious belief, orientation, and ability get along just fine. 
America is not those few hundreds who hate, it's the tens of millions who don't. Let's keep our perspective. So my point is not to jump on that controversy about the news and how they're reporting it. That's not my point. My point is that God's love is alive and well in the United States. It is alive and well, and it's working. It's working. And it's so much more than an emoji. It's so much more than an emoji. It's a powerful force that changes the world because changing the world means changing people. How do we change the world? Not by changing the trees, by changing people. Changing people changes outcomes. Changing people changes destinies and outcomes, and changing outcomes changes the world. Love is not just cute. Cute is fun, but let's not reduce the most powerful force that exists to cute. Let's remember the power that we actually carry in us so that when we see all this stuff happen, we can do the same exact thing that Jesus did at work, at home, at, at school, wherever we are. Remember, first, it's not, we don't need to, to get mad and take a side. That's wasting time. That's wasting precious love time. We have so much love time. There's a whole bunch of love that's needed, and we have it, and we have so much time to get it out there. So if we get angry and we take a side, we're wasting love time. We're wasting precious love time. Remember that the people causing the drama have not been made perfect in God's love. They just haven't been made perfect in God's love yet. So don't join that. We don't need to waste the time to join that. We can pray for them. Like Paul said, grow up and remember that we're on a team. All they're doing is judging instead of loving. All those directions are going this way instead of this way. So we can come on the scene like Jesus did in whatever form, whatever it is, whether we pray, whether we speak, whether we just stand there, whether we hug someone, if we're holding a door up open for someone, we can sow that love into the environment. We can sow that love into everything we do. And I believe with all my heart that it's powerful. It resides in us the same exact form that it resided in Jesus when he floored the place. We can do the same exact thing. We just keep a proper perspective and remember that that's all that is that's going on. That has no power to bring us down. We can see that those people need Jesus. Those people need prayer. Those people need love. And we so love. When, when that's happening, love is going on. It's just going on in one direction. God is loving them, but they don't know it yet. So God is pouring out his love. They just don't know it yet. We can recognize that. We can pray for them. And we can sow love into the environment. Even when we hold down the like image on our device and we get the choices and one of them is a heart, you know what? I believe that we can literally send the power of love through that. It's not, a, it's not cute. It's not, it, it is cute. But it's, it's more than cute. It's so much more than cute. Send love, the real thing. Send the power of the real deal into every yeah. situation where we go. Yeah. So what do we do as a family? What, we're, we're a church family. We're a family. What do we do, this team, this family, this, this whole God family? First, we're, we get strong in God's love. First, we get strong in God's love. And then we come together as a family, and we make each other strong in God's love. 
because we spend a lot more time out there than we do in here. So we come together and we love each other and we strengthen each other because then we'll be strong and ready and we'll remember when we go out there the power that we really carry. And what comes off of us, just like Jesus did, what comes off of us, what we can sow, what we can literally just speak into being and pray into being and live into being wherever we go. And I believe with all my heart that that changes the world, that, that we're, we're doing it, keep doing it. It's the most powerful thing we can do. It's the best possible use of our time and energy and life. How can we more better spend our life than sowing God's love, changing lives, people, situations, outcomes? If you agree, would you stand up? Join hands with somebody next to you. Put your arm around somebody. Love somebody. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that you would give us a fresh understanding of the power of the love that we have in you, in us, to change the world. Father, I pray that even right now that we would feel the power of that love. Father, I ask you to impart to us fresh understanding that we carry the power to change situations, to change people, to change outcomes, that there's nothing greater than your love, and we have it in us all the time, unlimited Father, I pray that through this love we literally change the world. I pray, Father, that the, through these hands and these feet and these people here, I pray that lives will be changed. I pray that situations will be changed. I pray that outcomes will be changed. I pray that the world will be changed because love so loved that he sent love. You, you so loved that you sent love to love us that if we believed, we would not die, but we would spend the rest of our eternity with love. Fill us afresh, Father. Let us have fresh, powerful anointing of that love and take it with us. Give it to each other first. Give it to each other here and take it with us everywhere that everything we do would be in the name of that love and that it would literally come off of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information on this or other resources, please go to newhopecom.org.